to this week's episode of the Netmeg Assess podcast. Myself, Ritvik, the host, and I'm joined today by Sudesh, who is the co-host of the show, who is one of the co-hosts of the show. Chris is off for this week as well. We hope to have him back. But Sudesh, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, it's been pretty busy for me, especially I'm covering the Olympics football and uh, with the activity going on in transfer market, pretty much it can be summed up as a busy weeks. But still, coming into the Not Make podcast is like really, really, really good feeling. Uh, I hope you're doing good as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, non-football wise as well, like I've been pretty busy. You can see Chris is pretty busy still. That's why he hasn't joined this episode. So, yeah, we've been pretty busy with stuff, uh, the, the, the regular stuff related to life. That's how life works, basically. So, yeah, glad to once again host this episode, host the show again. Hopefully, we we will be able to do this every week like we've been doing for the last one year. So, we'll start. This is probably not a niche topic or not, not like a proper segmented one, but we'll be covering different teams today and we'll be talking about the transfer activity so far and also touch upon their squad as well and how the team looks forward for next season and the chances that they have in different tournaments next season. We are mainly going to be looking at just the five, five teams, five teams from Spain, England and France respectively. So let's start then. So they sh- we'll start with Barcelona. Johan Laporta took the reins as the president of the club from Joseph Bartomeu after all the saga last season. The I mean, you can't just mention saga. I mean, because Barcelona have like you can't just mention it as a singular thing because there are numerous sagas going on at Barcelona. It, it's been the case in the last four or five years. You know how you know how much drama the clubs like probably put out for the rest of the world in the backroom staff, uh, outside uh, the football pitch, even on the football pitch as well at times. So Laporta took over the reins and he promised that he would build the club back to one of the strongest teams again in Europe. And he also mentioned that he would try to strengthen the squad, which was pretty much needed. And there are areas of the squad uh, that, that needs to be addressed, especially the defensive midfield position where I think you definitely need a defensive midfielder because Sergio Busquets is not getting younger at all. He, he is probably in the last phase of his career. So you need a backup for him, probably probably someone who can like help the defense cut out attacks. Probably not, not exactly someone like Fabinho or not, not, not a similar profile, but yeah, you get it. Someone who can like you know, break counters and stuff because Barcelona seem to be completely getting torn over when, whenever, whenever you get turnovers. So that's something that you need to improve. But if you look at the business that Barcelona have done, they signed Emerson Royal back from Real Betis, Memphis from Lyon on a free, Sergio Aguero on a free from City, Eric Garcia as well on a free from Man City. These are good signings. But most importantly, Lionel Messi is still a free agent. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we Start off with the Messi saga itself. Do you think Messi will resign for Barcelona? I don't think it's uh, in doubt, right, as of right now, that Messi is going to sign for Barcelona. 
uh, everyone, including Fabrizio Romano, uh, is reporting about Messi's re-signing with Barcelona. And I think Messi is more in than he's out of the club right now. Uh, especially after the beautiful, at that particular moment, we could see some bit of activity happening with Manchester City officially approaching Lionel Messi and also rumors from PSG coming in. But at this point of time, especially with what Manchester City are prioritizing and what how Barcelona have kind of tweaked their whole thing around uh, signing Lionel Messi as their first priority, I think it's it's just a matter of time as to when Barcelona uh, will will announce that they have re-signed Lionel Messi. Uh, currently, he is clubless. We can understand that. And uh, with his wages and structure, the salary cap in La Liga has caused some bit of complications around Lionel Messi's re-signing. And I, I guess Joan Laporta has already fixed that. And we'll, we're going to see Lionel Messi in Barcelona, but with a significant pay cut. So uh, there, there's no doubt, as for me and as for all the Barcelona fans in the world, that Lionel Messi will resign for Barcelona and I don't think even if he doesn't there's any club in the world that can kind of afford him with that wage structure and you know the fee that comes with it so uh, it, it, it's definitely going to be a little messy into Barcelona yet again and yet another season at the camp now for uh, Messi. Yeah like, like you mentioned there have been multiple reports of Leo Messi like already agreeing a small wage cut to like resign for Barcelona, and I think that's that's gonna happen anyway because, like you mentioned, again it's it's probably very very hard for other clubs to sign him. I mean Manchester City and PSG probably are the only two clubs I think who can afford him at this point of time, and both of them seem to have probably you know, you know set up a, a completely different plan for their windows. We'll come to that later on the show. So yeah, that's a that's a good point that you made there. Messi might probably again will probably again play for Barcelona. But looking at the arrivals though, who I mentioned, Emerson Royal at right back again, who's, who's a right back. Memphis is a good signing, but again, do you think these signings are the right choices? Again, you sign Sergio Aguero, a centre back in Eric Garcia as well. Do you think these probably are the right signings for the club and? Do you think all the areas have been addressed already? Because like you mentioned, personally, I still feel Barcelona needs a defensive midfielder and possibly a runner up front. I think maybe if Griezmann moves out, you might be able to free some wages for the same. But do you think the business is, has been like perfect or complete so far? I mean, I don't think by any means that business has been complete this transfer window Uh when the news came out about uh, the financial conditions of the club, uh, if we put that in, if we look at that with that perspective uh, about how this club is suffering, I think three free transfers are pretty well decently done uh, transfers. For example, we're getting Memphis Depay, who's uh, at the peak of his career and who wants to work with Ronald Koeman and who kind of is an upgrade to what we already have right now in Martin Brown. Uh, so after the departure of Luis Suarez, we had Martin Brathwaite for a season, and we for for a fact know that Brathwaite isn't a kind of a player that that can give it all and what Barcelona demands in the system. So I think Memphis Depay particularly is a very good signing, uh, and considering he's a player of that caliber and coming for free, it's it's definitely 
uh, an upgrade to what we have right now. And Emerson Royal, he com- he comes from uh, Betis, and he's the only money involved signing this summer that Barcelona have done. He he comes in uh, nine million, I suppose. And we kind of without Dest, uh, we had Sergi Roberto uh, in the right back position, which uh, he still uh, struggles with. And I think he might be a decent backup option or, you know, a, a very good uh, interchanging uh, player with uh, Serginho Test in terms of the right back positions. And I, I think it's a very good deal. Uh, and he, he, this can result well for Barcelona. And uh, the two signings, that incoming signings from Manchester City, and those are also for free, Eric Garcia and Sergio Aguero, are kind of decent. Uh, Sergio Aguero, again, a centre forward, again, a proven goal scorer, again, uh, importantly an aging player so if he has like two or three seasons left left in him i th- i will just this as a very justifiable signing but um i don't think uh, you know leaving off luis suarez uh, especially because he was over 33 and signing someone like sergio aguero would be a uh, good decision but still uh, nonetheless as i mentioned he's a proven goal scorer and he has done wonders at city so uh, i think this deal was also linked to uh, Messi's stay at the club, so I think it, it's we we get this deal from that angle as well. And for the likes of Eric Garcia, who was homegrown in La Masia, I think uh, with the rise of new young central defenders and Gerard Piquet still being there, I think they are uh, planning for Eric Garcia to, you know, mold into something that Barcelona needs in defense. I think these these were the intentions behind these signings, but in no sense that I think this is a very uh, complete transfer window. As you mentioned, Sergio Busquets uh, might be fitting in and off uh, within this season or the other. And considering that Milarem Pjanic, after coming to the club, has not done that particularly well. And the likes of uh, defensive midfielders from La Masia still need some time. I think a defensive midfielder would have uh, been an ideal deal. But, you know, considering the financial conditions, I think pulling off these deals were very good. Uh, in favor of Barcelona. Yeah, and especially about uh, Memphis as well. Um, I mean, there's been like, I mean, we've probably had a lot of discussion about how Barcelona needs probably someone, a, a runner basically, because you have so many players who loves to have ball at their feet, who who loves to like run or take, take, take the actions with the ball, do stuff with the ball. You have Leo Messi, obviously the guy. So, Often, when I watch Barcelona last season, you see Messi getting the ball in the center. He drops in deep. He looks for players and you don't see anyone making runs. You see Jordi Alba rushing up forward, but that's that's just it. Ansu Fati was probably it was injured for a long time. And I think he is not completely recovered yet. So I think he's, he's still out. So it might take a bit of bit more time before he comes in. But do you think Memphis probably fits in that role? Because from the people that I like, I talked to, the, the Leon fans I've talked to, they've, they've actually told me that he is probably again a more like more ball oriented player and who likes having the ball. He has 12 goals, 12 non-penalty goals and 12 assists for Leon last season in, in Ligon, which is like really, really good. But do you think he kind of fits the profile that you need? In a, in a forward player. Yeah, we saw a glimpse of how Memphis operates in the Euros with Netherlands. And he was kind of uh, the, the kind of a player that runs with the ball rather than uh, the one that runs off the ball. 
uh, if you look at his goals and stuff. And we also uh, kind of saw a glimpse of that in, in the preseason friendly against Girona. He was uh, more of a vertical player offering uh, a runner, as you, as you mentioned, in transitions. Uh, so I think it's not particularly what he has uh, done in his career so far predominantly, but I think he can also adapt himself to perform in that manner. So it, it's going to be more vertical with Memphis. He knows that, and he has also mentioned this in his initial uh, quotes uh, that, okay, uh, I know there's this guy called Tino Messi in Barcelona. I know he's going to, uh, you know, get those balls. I, I, I know I'm going to have to make those runs and then just finish. So I think he, he is... He has properly understood the gravity of the situation around Barcelona and what kind of uh, player profile that Ronald Koeman demands. And although he has performed more as a ball runner in his uh, in his career, a center a center forward who you know kind of runs with the ball rather than poaches inside the box, I think he also has those finishing capabilities that he can unleash uh, in favor of Barcelona. So uh, not necessarily something that we've seen of Memphis in his uh, previous days, but that does not mean he cannot necessarily do that. And player of his quality can easily, uh, you know, in my sense, uh, can adapt in those kind of situations. So I think uh, a quality signing but it might either turn up into something like Griezmann's case because, okay, we've got a big profile player, but is it fitting for the club or will the club require some tweaks in order to accommodate him? I think that condition might also appear in Memphis' cases. case. So it's a world-class signing, but it's a kind of a 50-50 in a sense where he fits in the club. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean... Uh, there's this guy called Alex Collins who writes for Scouted Football and who's a scout at Africon as well. So he's he's actually a Leon fan and he was mentioning how Memphis like probably has it in him to adapt to different play styles and he can and he was like pretty confident that Memphis could probably act as a runner for Barcelona and off the ball runner which they badly badly need. So. Yeah, that, those are like really good points that you mentioned as well, uh, Sudesh. I mean, you look at the players Barcelona have signed, Aguero, Memphis, Emerson Royal, um, Eric Garcia. This looks really good. And if Messi is renewed as well, I think it's it's probably an 8 out of 10 window. I still think you need a defensive midfielder, which I feel you might only get if you manage to offload a few players. So that's still... I, I mean, I still expect Barcelona to do a few more business in terms of outgoings and maybe bring in a midfielder. So, yeah, that's that's up with Barcelona and we'll move on to their rivals, Real Madrid. Again, lots of depth and lots of Florentino Perez slander in the last few months, starting from the European Super League and recently his old tapes. You, you have to mention the, the word old because that, that that's where you have to put the emphasis on because those are really old tapes, but it got leaked in the media once again recently where he's he's seen to have like remarked badly about Iker Casillas, Jose Mourinho, Cristiano Ronaldo, Raul, etc. So this is all, it's, it's all going wrong for Perez at the moment. Zinedine Zidane left the club, which is a huge blow. They bought in Carlo Ancelotti, who I, I, I don't 100% like, like the idea of bringing Carlo Ancelotti. 
because I think they could have probably done better, Real Madrid, but I think they're, they're trying to kind of transition once again. They're, they're kind of trying to be settled before, you know, uh, sticking to a permanent manager. I think Ancelotti is probably a short-term solution, like like like, like a transition. So, so I think I'm fine with that when, when you look at all those points. But you look at the transfer business. They've lost their centre-back pairing, Sergio Ramos, to PSG on a free transfer. They didn't renew his contract, which was again very, you know, very distasteful among a lot of Madrid faithful. And they've also let go of Rafael Varane. That's not official yet, but United have principally agreed a deal to bring Varane to United. So that is again a huge loss for Real Madrid. One year left on his contract, so Madrid probably decided to cash in on him. And their targets mainly have been Pau Torres and Jules Koundé. And Koundé is heavily being linked with Chelsea as well. So nothing's really going right for Real Madrid at the moment. They've signed David Alaba from Bayern Munich, which is a great long back itself. They bring him on, on a free transfer. He is 29 though, and he is a left back. So what next for Real Madrid, Sudesh? Because their team seem to be in a massive, massive you know, they seem to be in a massive short of depth in quality right now. It doesn't look like Real Madrid anymore. Yeah, I mean, ever since I started watching football, Real Madrid would uh, at some point coincide with uh, Sergio Ramos's tackles and his images. And this is uh, for the first time in like 15 years, we'll see Real Madrid without uh, Sergio Ramos. And me, especially uh, starting to watch football from like, 2012 or 13, Rafael Varane was also there uh, for eternity, right? So it, it's like this has been a very, you know, not very conventional transfer window in a sense that we don't see centre-backs moving from one club to another, especially in their prime. For example, Rafael Varane, if you consider him, he's, he's 28, he's in his prime, and David Alaba also, who played as a centre-back uh, in occasions for Bayern Munich, moved to Madrid in his prime, so it, it's like losing two centre-backs, two of the most prolific uh, centre-backs in all of Real Madrid's history. And uh, the two core of uh, the side that won you the Champions League for three times or even four um, is, is a massive, uh, you know, is, is a massive fallout in a sense. Because particularly in defence, they, they, do, they do not seem to make any, they will not, in my sense, in my guess, they won't make any peculiar signings this uh, window, and they will have to go with either one of Militao uh, with uh, David Alaba. And the the pairing was kind of you know, uh, Real Madrid won its 1920 league uh, on the basis of holding on to those one nil leads, uh, and Varane and Ramos were particularly very. Uh, instrumental in protecting protecting those leads. So coming up with a brand new pairing, especially with a player like Alaba, who is like a messiah going up, up in front, sweeping the ball, and not particularly a defender like Sergio Ramos, who likes to attack the opposition or attack the ball uh, very aggressively, it is indeed going to be a struggle for Real Madrid. And on top of that, I see a bigger problem in their midfield especially in terms of how Luka Modric is aging rapidly and how the Tony Cruz 
Luka Modric's duo has done over the years for Real Madrid. I mean, that's a foundation that they have built on and uh, the foundation has uh, led them to three consecutive Champions League wins. But now it's also going to end in one way or another. So with the departure of Rafael Varane and Ramos being a problem, I think uh, those two aging in the midfield is also equally a bigger problem. And they have not looked at all uh, like they have been throughout the years. But coming into the point that they lost two of their centre-backs in this transfer window, that's a huge downgrade. And especially with uh, the saga of, you know, Florentino Perez's old audio leaks, this is this has been an entertaining summer for all the La Liga fans, except for Real Madrid themselves. So it's, it's a huge uh, downgrade in a sense that they have uh, lost two of their most prolific players and yet have not been able to find a replacement or sign a replacement. Yeah, exactly. And... I mean, they are, it, it, it kind of looks like they're ready to let go of a lot of people to get Kylian Mbappe somehow. I think, I think by the way they've been not doing stuff on the transfer market, it looks like they are trying to get one move for Kylian Mbappe and make him the next big star. So, I mean, you always knew that Real Madrid were the primary candidate or the primary contenders for Kylian Mbappe. So it looks like they are trying to get him in somehow and they are ready to let go of players who are probably running out of contract and who are on pretty good wages as well. They still have a lot of things to do. They can still let go of people like Gareth Bale, uh, Danny Sabayos, etc. Martin Odegaard's future is still not sorted yet. So it will be interesting to see what happens further in the transfer market or the transfer window once Baran leaves as well. Will Madrid sign a new centre-back or will they decide to stick with Adam Militao and Nacho or will they go with a back three where they like they, they put in like Mendy as well um, as, as possibly a centre-back and push David Alaba as a wing-back. So, you, know, you don't know what's going to happen with them. We still have a lot of time left in the transfer market, a month. Yeah, a month is probably a really good amount of time to do business. So, yeah, we'll probably see more of that in the next one month. So that's it with Real Madrid. And we will now move our attention to France and Paris Saint-Germain, PSG, who are once again doing a lot of business. This time, really good business in my honest opinion. And the way they've been doing business, I feel like they are probably really really good candidate for the Champions League the upcoming Champions League because they are trying to get to that particular goal they've come close before with Thomas Tuchel in the final uh, the year before last but last season they lost out to Manchester City in the semi-final so it's going to be really really hard again Champions League being knockouts but the business they've done so far has been really outstanding in my opinion Gigi Tonaroma being bought as a goalkeeper. They already had Kilo Navas. And I think it's probably a bit unfortunate for Navas. When, wherever he's gone, he's kind of had to face competition. Real Madrid, where he finally got replaced by Thibaut Courtois. Here again, Gigi Donnarumma has been bought in. I, I definitely assume that Donnarumma is going to be the starter most of the time. They bought in. Ashraf Hakimi as well from Inter. They've taken advantage of Inter's financial issues to bring him for 60 million euros, which I feel is a really, really good deal. 
Danilo Pereira's move has been made permanent, I, I imagine, for 16 million euros. Getting Sergio Ramos from Real Madrid, getting a senior figure in that back line was really important. And I think that's, again, a really smart piece of business. I think Ramos probably will fit in fit in right in, with, in, in that defense. I think that also allows Marquinhos to play that defensive midfield role at times because you have Kimpembe and Sergio Ramos behind you. you. You have the option to do that. And they've kind of lacked a vocal leader at the back, I think, since Thiago Silva left uh, early last season. Mauricio Pochettino's first full season here at PSG. Looks like he's done really good business. Again, Jorginho Wijnaldum. I mean, that's again a really smart business. I think I think he's one of... I mean, I was probably disappointed when Liverpool decided not to renew his contract. And I think this is a very smart signing by PSG again, bringing in Wijnaldum. He's, he's one of the kind... He's a, he's a kind of player that Maurizio Pochettino might really, really like because he loved having Musa Dembele at Tottenham when he was back at Tottenham. Musa Dembele was one of his best players there, one of his favorite players there. Although Wijnaldum isn't like very, very, very similar, I think he kind of brings similar attributes to that PSG side. He's very, very press resistant. At Liverpool, he was probably restricted to a certain role where he didn't move the ball much forward and stuff like that. But I think, I assume that he'll probably do a lot of that with PSG. So, if you look at the business, Hakimi, Wijnaldum, Ramos, Donnarumma, four really, really good signings. And I don't think they're going to stop here either. They are linked heavily with Paul Pogba as well. So, what do you think about their business, Sudesh? And do you think, once again, that they are strong, strong contenders for the Champions League? I mean, you know, massive transfer window considering they have gotten one of the best right backs in the world and probably one of the best or the best goalkeeper right now in Gianluigi Donnarumma who guarantees you almost uh, 13, at least 10 years from now. And, and talking about Gini Wijnaldum, uh, as you mentioned, he was also heavily linked with Barcelona and wanted to be a part of Ronald Koeman's side. I would love to have Gini Wijnaldum at Barcelona especially considering the role that he played under Jurgen Klopp and the footballing intelligence that he brings into the side. Uh, but when the deal like broke through and he went to Paris, I was also not very disappointed because there were enough midfielders in Barcelona lining up the likes of Pedri, uh, Ricky Puig and stuff. Although a very different profile than Gini Wijnaldum, but they still, uh, Barcelona fans feel they, they need to get time and they can flourish under this system. So uh, it, it's been a very good transfer window considering what uh, PSG have done. Uh, they have brought in three free transfers and three very good free transfers, I, mu- I must uh, say. They've gotten, you know, Sergio Ramos, who still has uh, two or three years left in him and brings in that uh, leadership and that passion in the dressing room, and which is, I think, especially, especially the kind of thing that a club like uh, PSG needs. Uh, because they have not, they have only played one Champions League final till date, and Ramos comes with a lot of knockout experiences and having won the Champions League uh, four times in the last decade, I think he's going to be a key signing and key figure in that dressing room. Uh, so uh, a very good deal, and with uh, only Ariola going on loan uh, to West Ham and Becker, 
uh, going to Leverkusen. I think there are not a lot of many, a lot of players going outwards. So they're still playing with that uh, core team that has crafted their success in the past two years under Tuchel and under even Pochettino, where they did pretty well in the Champions League. Um, and uh, since since they have signed uh, some prolific names, I think that will only strengthen their uh, things, whether it be it defense or in the midfield or the slotted right back position and also the goalkeepers. Uh, and Paul Pogba's rumors, uh, especially comes after Manchester United signing Jadon Sancho, and the the rumors are I, I must say they have been only grown up in the past few days and i think that's only going to be uh, going to you know make this transfer window better for uh, psg pogba especially after uh, you know not being up to his potential in the united side and being i would say inconsistent at times uh, will definitely look uh, to get a getaway in psg and i think in that sense this deal makes a lot of uh, you know back uh, a lot of uh, you know Wait. So, uh, I even though the complexions are still there, and after especially a very busy transfer window, uh, with them spending 16 on Danilo and uh, 16 million euros on Achraf Hakimi, uh, Pogba will also cost them very much, and that will bring complexity to the transfer window. But it's PSG, and anything can happen. So the transfer window has already been a fruitful one and a very enriching one for the Paris club and. Bringing Paul Pogba in will only get them better in a sense that they will get a creator in the midfield and not necessarily depend on Neymar to get all the ball through to Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, and I mean, with the rumors that Kylian Mbappe might leave PSG for Real Madrid, like we mentioned, his contract expires next summer. Although PSG tried to, you know, get him renew the contract, he hasn't still agreed yet. And I think, I think he's definitely going to going to leave Real Madrid, uh, sorry, going to leave PSG, I mean, next summer. I think that's that probably is going to happen. That's, that's something that I see personally. I'm not I'm not 100% hinting that he's going, going to leave because this is football and anything could happen. But I think that's going to be the right time for him to leave. And at this, at this point of time, financially, I think that is something which makes sense. Uh, for Real Madrid as well, getting Mbappe on a free because they can't afford to spend a lot of money for him. I think PSG are definitely going to demand 150, 170 million for him, at least at this point of time, although he still has just a single year of contract left. So that's going to be interesting to see. But I think with the, with, with the way that Pochettino has, has always set up his team and you know has, has always kind of had a proper project whenever he's like, Taken, taken over a particular team. I think that's going to happen with PSG as well. I know a lot of people were probably criticizing Pochettino towards the end of last season for a lot of bad results. They even lost out on the league on title to Lille. But I think he probably has got his time. I think this is going to, I mean, this coming season is going to be the one which, which we should definitely use to judge Pochettino at PSG because because I think he's now well and settled. He's he's kind of caught a squad. He's kind of had a preseason now, and yeah, I think I think I think uh, PSG are definitely top top contenders for the Champions League, and I think this season they are probably going to win League One as well. I I don't see anyone else winning League One this coming season other than PSG. 
So yeah, that's up with PSG and we'll finally move on to the last two clubs, the two Manchester clubs. We'll start with Manchester United first. What a window they've had so far. I mean, they've, they've been cussing, the fans have been cussing the glazes for years and years now and rightfully so. But after a long, long, long saga, I think I think I've grown what old since I've heard Sancho to Manchester United rumors. It's been a long, long time since he's been linked to United and he's finally here. He's finally at Old Trafford. So he Jaden Sancho has signed for Manchester United for 85 million euros. And what a signing that's gonna be for United because they badly needed one there. They've also bought in Tom Heaton on a free transfer. I think he's still going to be what the second choice keeper, sorry, third choice keeper, unless David De Gea or Dean Henderson decides to leave. They have also agreed a deal to bring in Rafael Varane, and again a centre back. And I think a partnership of Maguire and Varane is going to be really solid. But they still need one position, which I think is the most important of them all. That is a defensive midfielder. They still need a defensive midfielder. I don't think McTominay and Fred still are the solutions there. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty evident they are they are not the solution. So they still need a defensive midfielder. They've been linked with Saul Niguez. They've been linked with Kamavinga, who's, who's not necessarily a DM. They've been linked with a few other players as well. And looking looking at Solskjaer's recent interviews, I think. The business is still not completed there yet. I think they're still trying to get in a defensive midfielder. And if they do get in a defensive midfielder, I think they have a starting 11 worthy of challenging for the league title against City as well as Chelsea and Liverpool, in my in, in my honest opinion. So they've had a really good transfer window so far. Once the Varan deal gets officially confirmed, I think it's more or less official, although although it's not been announced officially. So that's something that's something which is like I don't think it's, that's a surprise either because United have the financial muscle. They've they've shown it in the last few years. But I think in terms of doing smart business, this is probably the best best transfer window that that they've had since Sir Alex Ferguson left the club. What do you think, Sudesh? Yeah, completely agree on everything that you said. Be it about United's transfer window or their need of a defensive midfielder and basically everything. Yeah, and, and I'd like to stress on the part where you said you, you don't think McTominay and or Fred can fulfill the needs that you know, a system that United fall under only, uh, you know, demands. So uh, it, it's like if you look at Paul Pogba when he for France and when he plays for France and provided that he stays at Manchester United for another year, uh, I think a defensive midfielder who is who is willing to work and cover the spaces mm, when he moves forward is especially needed. And when you have a left back like Luke Shaw who likes to go in front and Juan Bissaka who also occasionally likes to go in front and attack, you kind of want to see at least a guy from the middle coming and helping out the center backs. And I don't think uh, McTominay or Fred offer that solid profile. Although you have uh, the central defenders uh, in Varane and Harry Maguire the next season, but I still think 
uh, you can easily get outnumbered and uh, get caught in the transitions. And it's not a very easy position to fulfill, especially uh, when we come to this particular case. So I, I still think they're going for a defensive midfield, defensive midfield profile that will uh, be necessarily the missing part of the puzzle after they've gotten Jaden Sancho and Rafael Varane, both of them in the same window. So yeah, uh, for a title contending team, I'm not necessarily saying this won't work, but it's better that they go for a defensive midfielder and fulfill the last word that is seemingly left in their uh, lineup uh, as we see it right now. Yeah, and I mean, one more thing that you that I think they actually need in their defensive midfield or probably in that in, in that phase in midfield is ball progression because if you see the united team they mainly rely on harry maguire the left side center back for ball progression i think he's he's one of the most progressive center backs in the league uh, uh, and they, they they very very highly rely on his uh, progressive ball carries as well as progressive passing on that side mctominay isn't someone who's progressive Fred, I don't think is like really good at that either. I mean, he he does do stuff, but I don't think both of them are progressive enough for Manchester United. And if they get get in someone probably who can also like move the ball forward into the final pace, so that the likes of Bruno and Pogba don't need to drop in deep and worry about that 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 fact because you often see Bruno Fernandes dropping you know deeper to collect the ball and move the ball upward at the pitch. If you look at the uh, if, if you if you looked at the game against um, Villarreal in the Europa League final, I mean, I know people say that uh, Scott McTominay had like a really really good game. I kind of agree, but I kind of disagree as well because whenever he gets the ball, he doesn't move it forward enough. He that that that's one of the primary things that you that you need uh, at Manchester United. That that's something that you need there in that team because their right side their right side is the right side was comparatively very weak van bisaka as you know he is probably the best one we one defender in in europe uh, but he isn't really good on the ball and that aspect of his game is probably pretty weak compared to the best so they need someone who can move the ball forward who can move it into the wide areas who can do progressive passes who can carry the ball upward so that the front the attack kind of don't need to worry about that at all with sancho they probably kind of kind of improved their uh the the ability to you know create and score on the right hand side bring more threat on the right hand side sancho can even play on the left as well there might be a good chance if they bring in a defensive midfielder you might see paul pogba playing as a left um if if they go with a 4231 like solskjaer scored last season i think pogba is going to play on the left side of that three behind the striker since marcus rashford is going to undergo a surgery on his shoulder so i think pogba might play further forward uh, in, in the left of that three bruno in the center and maybe sancho on the right right hand side with cavani or greenwood up front they, if they get a, a progressive midfielder a defensive midfielder who's progressive and who can cut out uh, who can make interceptions who can tackle who can like kind of protect the back line i think they've they've kind of had a 10 out of 10 window and that kind of makes them strong contenders that kind of makes their first 11 strong contenders because i think in terms of squad depth you know obviously there is there is still work to be done if you have to catch up with city and chelsea 
Yeah, and, and a very fair point that you raised with uh, Scott McTominay and their progression through Harry Maguire. And this has been apparent throughout Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tenure at Manchester United. They do really well against teams that leave them spaces. For example, the top side record is pretty good uh, with the top sides. But the department in which they really struggle is when they play against sides that like to sit deep and maintain those compact structure with not much space left between the lines. I think that's where Harry Maguire's uh, ability to uh, progress with his passes uh, is ineffective because the passing lanes are effectively cut off by the opposition. And I think, yeah, getting a defensive midfielder who can defend as well as screen ahead of those two centre-backs and at the same time make progressive carries uh, by you know not necessarily passing it uh, through the lines, but carrying the ball forward can be a boon uh, if they can get into like someone like Bruno Fernandes and uh, Paul Pogba. So it, it's a fair point that they require a defensive midfielder that suits a particular profile. Like he has to carry the ball forward and he has to uh, kind of let those two uh, midfielders in front of him operate freely and cover those back spaces with them, uh, with, with him. So I think it's a fair point that you raise right there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Manchester United in itself is a podcast topic. So we'll move on to the the blue side of Manchester, the recently dominant side of Manchester, Manchester City. They've been pretty silent so far in the window. I mean, it's 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 no secret that they they actually had set their targets on Jack Grealish and Harry Kane. And those two were the only targets that they had in the window. Pep Guardiola specifically wanted Jack Grealish as well. And that was, I mean, as reported, that was his demand to the board as well, the owners as well. And looks like today, I think, was it uh, was it in the Telegraph, it was reported that City have bid 100 million for Jack Grealish. And I think, I think Villa might accept that 100 million bid. And, and that's, Probably Jack Grealish done. I think they're going to get Jack Grealish if uh, if that's the case. And they will slowly move their attention to Harry Kane. But I think they still probably are trying to shift a, f- a few players. The likes of Bernardo Silva has kind of demanded that he wants to play more minutes and he wants a new challenge. So I think this, there's a good chance that we see some outgoing activity as well from City. But Jack Grealish and Harry Kane, I mean... I mean, if you look at the league last season, the best, you look at the per 90 stats for players who played at least 10 90s, which is 900 minutes minimum. You look at the creativity statistics. You look at the assists per 90. Kevin De Bruyne, first, Jack Grealish, second. Look at the short creating actions per 90. Kevin De Bruyne, first, Jack Grealish, second. You look at XG assisted per 90. Kevin De Bruyne, first, Jack Grealish, second. You look at key passes per 90, Kevin De Bruyne first, Jack Reilly second. The two best midfield or the two best creators in the league joining Manchester City. And if they kind of manage to get in Harry Kane, who is arguably one of the best forwards in Europe. I mean, do you actually have any other contenders for the league? Yeah, actually, that's pretty, you know, league done and dusted for four or five seasons to come forward, you know. Uh, if especially if you are getting uh, the likes of Harry Kane and someone that can create 
like Jack Grealish and with Kevin De Bruyne already in your side. I think that, you know, this city side alone is really, really good and can compete for the title for a season or two. But adding those two profiles to you, that lineup would just make them unstoppable, at least in England and also challenge for the European uh, glory. Yep, and most importantly, I mean, they need a striker. They need someone who can score goals. I think, I mean, we all said this last season and Pep Guardiola tried uh, really, really different ideas of his own and in the end walked to the league, but in the Champions League once again, went to the last, went to the final and got beaten by Thomas Tuchel, who also outdid him in in the FA Cup semi-final as well, even in the league as well. So, So, I mean, there is the the there was criticism at Guardiola for not winning the Champions League. I know they've reached the final, and I think winning the Champions League is why Guardiola was bought in initially as well. Although he's like taken City to a completely new level in the in the league, winning like what three three league titles in what four years is it or five years is it? So that's that that's outstanding work. Yeah, three three league titles in five years it is. So that's outstanding work and the way they've won the leagues as well, it's been in dominating fashion. So he's definitely taken City to another level, but the Champions League is the holy prize that they're aiming at. And if they get Jack Willish and Harry Kane, I think the chance of that happening like shoots up uh, considerably highly. So because Harry Kane, like you said, a high output player, 35 goals and assists, goal contributions last season in the league. That is absolutely magnificent. And Adding someone like that into the team. I know he's old. He's had a few injury issues as well. And that's something that City should be cautious about when they like spend 150 or 140 million or if they spend above 100 million, which which is definitely going to be the price for him considering how Danny Levy operates. So it's 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 you could probably say it's a bit risky. But I think if you look at the short term, I think that probably might be might be the key to a Champions League victory. Yeah, I mean, Pep Guardiola find his, found his own ways of scoring goals when he didn't have a viable striker previous season. It was El Gundogan who was coming in front and scoring those goals, or even Kevin De Bruyne with those occasional uh, shots from outside the box. So at the moment, all that City need is a striker that can necessarily finish the chances that are coming from their uh, midfield and coming out from the wide. So if they somehow managed to get uh, Harry Kane, which uh, I think is less likely uh, and the Jack Grealish transfer is more likely to happen. It, it's done and dusted for them. I mean, Harry Kane is someone who can mm, at times drop deep and create spaces for someone like Kevin De Bruyne to uh, exploit uh, those spaces between the centre-backs. And also he can offer that kind of profile where he can receive the ball and necessarily shoot and score. So it fits in all too well and it's too good to be true for me at the moment. Although Harry Kane has requested a transfer and he wants to win trophies at this stage of career, his price tag and especially City being linked with Jack Reedish in the same window, I, I don't think he's it's going to materialize very soon or in a very convenient manner. I think it's going to take a little bit of nag and even if it happens, it's going to be a very you know hectic saga uh, coming up in front of us. But if it happens, I mean, it's all good for City's likings. Exactly, exactly. And 
hopefully hopefully for the for for the good of other teams <laughs> especially being a liverpool fan i hope they don't land hurricane because it's going to be i mean it's going to be kind of done before before it even starts so i i i definitely don't want the competition to be cut in the league so yeah so that's it with the podcast today so it was fun discussing football with you once again transfers and transfer windows are probably some one of the best times for a lot of football fans around the globe something that people enjoy a lot i know a lot of toxic or a lot of toxicity also comes out of it unfortunately but a lot of good fans also enjoy the same so it was fun discussing transfers and how different teams you know look good or you know have more work to do etc so it was fun thank you for joining in on the episode yeah always a pleasure always a pleasure this place feels like home and yeah uh, we'll try to be back with regular episodes and we'll take your questions uh from patreon and uh, like rithvik and me including chris we hope to bring this out regularly and with some very good content in the future exactly so that's it for this episode until the next one bye bye and take care